John chapter 3, verse 8. I'm only going to read one portion of Scripture. We'll use more in our, our sermon, but one person, portion of Scripture. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Read it once more. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I want to preach on the title of a message with the help of the Spirit of God, From Pain to Power. From Pain to Power. Reverend Tuig, would you please pray, sir? Amen. You may be seated. If we are on our way to seeing God, and that is what I hope that all of you have the goal to do, that your goal is to see God, that at the end of it all, you will want to stand before God and to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Enter ye therefore into the joy of the Lord. Amen. And so if you're on your way to seeing God, our goal should be to keep ourselves pure from sin. But when we don't do that, when we don't keep ourselves pure and we disobey God, which is what sin is, we end up in pain. So what do you do when you end up in pain? You need to learn from it. You need to correct the action. Is that easy to do on our own? No, not exactly. Jesus gave us commands, but what did he give us? He gave us also himself. He gave us his heart so that we could overcome. And the greatest thing that there is that happens when we overcome, we get power. And so we go from pain to power. So we want to talk about and look at, get your attention, focus on three things, purity, pain, and power. Purity, pain, and power. Paul gave us the exhortation. Paul the apostle, he said these three words, which is good advice, keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. So John, John, if, if, if you're a Bible reader, then you know about John. John was an apostle. John was one of the youngest disciples, if not the youngest, the youngest disciples, the original 12 disciples of Christ. John was the one who had leaned on Jesus' uh, chest at, when they had dinner. John was one of the closest ones. He was in the inner circle. It was usually Peter, James, and John. And so John spent a lot of time around Christ. John saw Christ die on the cross of Calvary. John it was told by, by Jesus to take care of his mother. And so John, he would understand. He would be somebody that we would be able to trust of what Jesus had to say. So we could trust John with the word. John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, you can put it up on the screen there. And every man that hath this hope in him, which is Jesus, every man that hath this hope in Jesus purifieth himself, even as Jesus is pure. 
What hope is that? The hope to see Jesus. The hope not only to see Jesus, but to be like him, to be made in his image, to be just like him, to walk around and do things that Jesus had done, to have the faith of Jesus, to be able to do miracles, to be able to do more, to be able to reach out to people and to tell people about the love of God and what God has done. That should be our goal and our desire, to be like Jesus. How, though? He said, be pure. Purify yourself. How do we avoid temptation? Well, do we leave the world? It's everywhere, isn't it? It's all over the place, especially on the Internet. Get on, get on uh, Instagram. Somebody sent me a message. I don't even know who they were. They said, I like men. I'm looking at, okay, whoa, <laughs> Well, delete, get, leave conversation or whatever it is that I have to do. Why? Wow, the temptations are out there. And so we can't avoid necessarily the temptation. Maybe we could put controls on the phone or there are places that we stay away from. There's websites or phone numbers that we don't call and, and people that we try to avoid and, and various places that we don't go. But what is the best way to avoid temptation? To think that I have something better before me. That I have something better that I'm trying to reach forward to. That I have a goal before me. And if this thing of this temptation that has come before me, if I look and see what I have that is there that I'm going towards, that I'm going to reach towards, then that's not better than this temptation that's come my way. That's not better than the pain that I'm going to have by giving into the temptation. So I am going to give myself to this, this goal of seeing Jesus, of being there in his presence, of being like him. And that should help me to avoid temptation. So I have to have goals. I have to set something aside in my mind that I am going towards. Let's use it in a practical sense. If I'm going to save money for a down payment for a vehicle, if I say I'm going to set aside $5,000, What does that mean that I have to do? Number one, I have to look at my budget. I have to see if I can even save that kind of money. I have to make sure that I make the changes that are necessary, that I cut out certain things, and that I don't go to uh, Taco Bell anymore. Oh, what a disaster not going to Taco Bell. (laughs) That might be an improvement, any man? (laughs) Might help your waistline if you don't go to Taco Bell. But there are certain things that I have to say that I'm not going to do anymore. Now, I decide, okay, I have to save 10% of my money. How long is it going to take me if I do that? If I'm going to save, you know, $50 a week, okay. I have to make sure that I'm going to do that. I can't just go impulse buying anymore. Why? Because what I'm trying to get to is more important than me having that taco. It's more important than me buying things that I don't really need because it's more important for me to have a vehicle. And so I set that money aside. I don't touch that money for any other purpose. It's set aside just for that. The same thing, that I set aside my soul for Jesus. I make sure that my soul is set just for him. I'm not going to give it to sin. I'm not going to give it to the pleasures of this life, the love of the world, the love of the flesh, the pride of life. I'm not giving it to any of that, but I'm laying it aside for Jesus. It belongs to him anyway. Recently, 
I'm, 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 we went house shopping. It was really window shopping, okay? We went to just see, hey, you know, we were off that day. I said, hey, let's go down to the, down the street. This is the house I could. I, I walked down there just a couple blocks away. I saw that there was a house there. I said, hey, I want to see what you get for $179,000 in St. Louis. We haven't tried to buy a house yet, so we'd like to stay here. We, we'd like to be here, so we might as well start planting some roots. Amen? So we went to go look. So I walked down there, and my, my wife had charity, so, you know, they, they drove down there. And I got down there first, and I'm standing outside the house, and I'm looking at it. I said, okay, no, doesn't look bad from the outside. All right. So I'm waiting, you know, the real estate. He's in the car. He expected me to drive up, so I'm standing out there looking. <laughs> he gets out of the car. Are you Mr. Hill? <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's me. All right, let's go in. Let me tell you what you get for $179,000. The door almost fell off when we got up there. <laughs> there were holes in the wall. One of the windows was broken. The, the carpet needed to be pulled up. It was a small bathroom. I said, this is what you get for $179,000 in St. Louis? This can't be. So I looked again and saw that the house has been on the market for four months. I said, no wonder. <laughs> this guy needs to drop the price down. What's going on with that? So I asked the real estate agent, is there, is there any way that the person, that the owner can drop the price down? And he said, well, I don't think so. It's been on the market for four months this way. He's holding out for his price. If I give him something else, it's going to offend him. And so if you don't want it, you might as well look at something else. And so it's the same way. When the devil offers you something, go ahead and get offended. And say, I'm holding out for something better. I'm holding out for something else. God's got something better for me. I don't want what you got. Move on and go to somebody else. Keep yourself pure. Had a friend when I was in high school, he was part of the promise keepers. I don't know if you, if you know what that is, but he got a Bible from somebody, and there was a promise keepers in there. You keep yourself pure until you get married. He was 16, and he was going to church and in love with God. And I was like, man, this guy, man, he's awesome. You know, we were going to church, and I was just glad to have somebody that knew that I need to keep myself pure before God, motivated and everything. I want to keep myself pure before God also until I get there to see Jesus. John said, keep yourself pure. Pain, pain from not keeping yourself pure. There was a time where I was suffering several months ago. I was suffering. I had a real bad back pain. At least that's what I thought it was. And so every time I would bend over to pick something up, you know how you get. I, I hate doing this, and I, I try to keep reminding myself not to do this. But I would bend over, and I would say, ugh. I still do it now. Nothing even hurts. I don't know why I'm doing that. I said, it's going to start hurting if I do that, so I need to stop doing that. But it was hurting. So I went down to the primary care, and they, you know what they gave me. I, now I go to the VA hospital. I'm not saying anything bad about the VA hospital, but I was in the Army for five years, and one number one thing they would do, here's some painkillers for you. Okay, come back and see me again. So they did that, and it didn't work. So I kept, com kept complaining about it, and they said, okay, we'll, we'll make you an appointment to go down to physical therapy. 
And so I go down to physical therapy, you know, and I tell, I tell the, 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 the physical therapist, oh, my back is hurting. I said, all right, well, lay down on the table. So I lay down on the table, and they tell me, okay, turn over on your side. No, not like that, this way. Okay, does it hurt when you do that? No. Okay, don't lay down the other way anymore. So what kind of physical therapy is this? Well, no, then they, they rolled me through all the steps. This is exactly how you get in the bed and how you have to roll over and all these other things. And here's some exercises to, to exercise your, uh, to strengthen your hip flexors. There's something wrong with your hip, not your back. I said, oh, okay. So every time you make this move here, it's going to hurt. But if you strengthen your hip flexors, then you won't feel the pain anymore. I said, great. They printed something out and they gave it to me. I took it home. I did it for a couple days and then I stopped. The pain came back. <laughs> so then I went back to the physical therapist and she asked me, hey, did you, uh, did you keep doing the exercises? No. No. Okay, do you need them again? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So she thought I lost them. No, so I just didn't do them. So she gave them back to me, and then she reminded me of something I didn't tell you about. She said, put a pillow between your legs, between your knees, to stop all that pressure from, from, from having your, your legs together because the way that you like to lay down. Kind of like a night guard for your teeth. You know, if you're grinding your teeth, it's like a night guard for that. So I have a night guard, too, because that's real, really bad at grinding my teeth. If I forget it, I'll remember it in the morning that I forgot to put it in. And I need to remember to do that. So what happened? You know, I, I started doing the exercises. I put the pillow between my legs. The pain went away. What did I do? I stopped using the pillow. The pain came back. So I'm learning a lesson here. I've got to keep doing the things that keep the pain away. I have to maintain this schedule. I have to maintain these things in my life. I'm learning from the pain. And that's exactly what happens. If we're going to live in sin, if we're going to violate God, God's word, then we're going to have pain. What is the answer? I've got to get back to God. I've got to get back to God's word. I've got to stay in God's word so I can avoid the pain. If I forget it, God will let me know. God will remind me. I've got to get back to the word of God and the stay in it. I've got to get back in church. I've got to pray, seek the Holy Ghost power, get whatever it is I need because I don't want to live in pain. <laughs> Why live in spiritual pain when you don't have to? John had told us already, we need to keep on going in God's Word. There's always pain when we do something wrong. Growing up, when I violated Dad's Word, what happened? He took the keys away, and I couldn't drive anymore. So I learned not to get caught. Amen? <laughs> but when it comes to sin, it gets serious. There was a man named Achan in the book of Joshua. Joshua was going out, and he was just trying to go out and, and lead for God and do something for God. They went out there into this battle, and God has said, don't you take any of the garments, none of the gold, none of the silver, nothing. We're going to desecrate this place. It's all going to go down in flames and everything. I want you to tear it up. Don't take anything. What did Achan do as they were out there battling? He took some of the clothes. He took some of the gold and the silver, and he took 
it home. Where was he going to wear any of that stuff? Everybody would know where he got it from. Where was he going to spend the gold and the silver? Everybody would know that he took it from the place where the battle was. And so he took that and he hid it, thought that God didn't see it. And God told Joshua, hey, somebody in the camp has committed sin. Hey, what's going on? Why did God tell him that? Because 32 men went out. They went to a place called Ai, a little place that they had to go conquer that God told them. They went out there. And Pastor Davis, he's our founder, one of the greatest preachers and leaders and teachers and givers that I have ever known in my life. He preached a message called 30 and 2 Men. The things that we do and the sin that we live in, it affects other people. Because Achan went and hid that garment, those 30 men, they, they, there was, I think it was 40 men or something like that. They went out there to fight and said, hey, we just need a little crew. We can go out there and we can take that place. And 32 men got killed because God took his hand off of the Israelite army because of Achan's sin. And so not only were those people in pain, God told Joshua that somebody committed sin, and they got it all the way down. You know, they had everybody stand up, and they called all the tribes, and then it came down to Achan. And Achan was really aching after that because they had to stone him. They stoned his family, everything. What do we learn from that? We learn from the Word of God that we shouldn't live in sin. Don't try to cover it up. Just bring it out. Just tell God, God, this is what happened. This is what I did. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, I need it. So pain. I was just telling you know, real life, bring it down to real life situation. Yesterday we were here, and uh, it was right after Seoul, and we went out. We had a good time at the South, South County Mall out inviting people out to church. I was in the kitchen, and we had, we had uh, prepared some food there for brother and sister there, and uh, I heard some glass break. I said, what's going on? And so my daughter, Charity, she's standing there in the kitchen. And, and somebody, somebody asked, hey, what, what was that noise? And then she said, oh, that little boy did it. <laughs> and the sister said, I saw Charity over there. And I looked and I said, what? Did she just lie? <sighs> I have to do something, right? Amen. I can't just let her get away with it. <laughs> so I said, hey, get over here. What happened? Well, you know, he did it. Come on. Really? What happened? Uh, go stand in the corner until you can tell me what really happened. So now we have to do that. I mean, we're, we're at that point now. So what happened? Did, did you do it? I did it. And what do we always tell them? If you don't, if you tell the truth, you won't get in so much trouble. But when you lie, you really get in trouble. Amen. Haven't we heard that all of our lives? Yet we still try to cover up things and try to get away with stuff. Just bring it all out. Bring it to God. Avoid the pain and just let God heal it. Amen. Amen. And so here we are. Here, we're dealing with this pain. We're, we're dealing with it. We, we're trying to get past it. We're getting through it, allowing the Word of God to tell us exactly what sin is so we can get to the power. Sin undoes the work of Christ in our life. Jesus came to fight against sin. He came to release us from the clutches of the devil. The devil's trying to take us down. And when you, when you realize exactly what the devil is trying to do to you, you would run away from any temptation that is out there. 
You would stay away from it. You would get to God as quickly as possible. You would be calling out to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking him for the power to keep going and to keep living for him. Because Jesus came with that purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Another version said he came to unloose. He came to abolish. He came to deliver us from the works of the devil. He came to do away, to undo everything that the devil has done. He came to help us and to free us and to save us from what the devil has done in our lives. He came to set us free. He tells us how sin is conquered. It was conquered through Jesus going to the cross of Calvary. Through Jesus going to the cross, he conquered the works of the devil. He came to smash up what the devil has already tried to do in your life. He came to bring you victory. He came to give you that overcoming edge that you need to do what it is that you have to do to live a Christian life and to live a life that's pleasing to God. When General MacArthur came to meet with the commander of the Japanese forces. They had to surrender. So General MacArthur came, and there was the other general. He took his medals, and he tore them off of his uniform, and he threw them down on the ground, and he stomped on them. He took his sword, and he broke it down on the ground to represent that their power was no longer, to represent that their force was no longer, that there was nothing else that they could do, that they had to surrender. And that's exactly what Jesus did to the devil. He took all of his power and he smashed it right in front of him. Jesus was at his weakest point and he defeated the devil. And so if Jesus did that at his weakest point and now he's on the throne of God, imagine what he's doing now. Imagine what he could do in your life. Imagine the power that he could give you to overcome if you're Just come to him. Imagine what he wants to do in your life. They're going to come to the instruments. As we think about this, think about what Jesus has done. He declared that there was no more victory for the devil. Yes, he would go and he would try, but what you have to do, you have to be offended when he comes by. You have to tell him, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to live in sin. I'm keeping myself pure until the day that I get to Jesus. I'm going to give Jesus everything, all of my heart, all of my life, and I need the Holy Ghost fire. As Reverend Tui comes, he's going to lead us in the altar call, and I want you to pray. We're going to pray for you. I want you to pray and think about what God wants to do in your life. I want you to pray and see that vision of power working in your life. I want you to see a different life for yourself. If you're in pain right now, I want you to see yourself living in power and what God wants to do in your life. You can succeed.